Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning, Tom, for your Mediated Conversation this Monday morning. About two weeks ago, you heard a conversation here on SAFM Sunrise about the problems with Rika and about how it was that so many people had SIM cards that were not actually Rika'd to them. At the same time, there have been other legal issues related to RICA and that the Constitutional Court has ruled that the way it is currently being implemented is not constitutional. This is largely because of the way it deals with how government and the police are able to tap phone calls. In short, this is all about surveillance and when and how officials can listen to your phone calls. As a result of this, the Justice Department has published a new RICA bill to deal with the problems and to make the law properly constitutional. But already, there's been some strong criticism for the new bill. As you know, this can be a contentious issue. I'm sure you'll have a strong view on when and how officials should be allowed to tap your phone calls. So then what problems does this new bill need to fix? Will it fix them? And what are the problems this new draft has? Well, first this morning, you'll hear from the lawyer and expert in this, Amor Berger-Smith, a director at Worksman's Advisory Services, head of the Data Protection and Privacy Practice Group. Then you'll hear from a critic, a critic of the new bill, Murray Hunter, is acting head of IntelWatch and a consultant with ALT Advisory. And then to respond to all of this, the Deputy Minister of Justice and Constitutional Development, John Jeffries. We start then with the attorney, Amor Berger-Smith. Amor, good morning and thanks for your time. Morning, Stephen, and morning to your listeners. What are the problems that this bill is trying to fix? What does it have to do? Well, I think, we, you know, we, we look back at 2021, February 2021, when the Constitutional Court clearly stated that there are aspects that are unconstitutional in terms of this piece of legislation. And, if, you know, there are the crux, there are crux five issues that we need to consider. And um, I will, you know, in the first instance, the notification issue. When or should someone be notified when he or she is under surveillance? Is it a pre-issue or post-issue? But at least some way down the line, someone should realize that I have been subjected to um, uh, surveillance. And this is one of the issues where the Constitutional Court said we need to address it because it's unconstitutional if someone can be under surveillance and never know about it. Um, Another issue is we refer to it as an ex to court. So that is where and then apply for permission to conduct this surveillance. So it's an application where you're never aware of the application even taking place. And this has been addressed by the Constitutional Court as well. You know, yes, you need to do it in a manner that doesn't serve any good if someone knows he's going to be under surveillance, but there ought to be a proper process. And Internationally, one refers to a public advocate that is a completely independent person that actually ensures that this process is done properly and that there are no untoward actions or shenanigans involved. This was addressed by the Constitutional Court as well. If we look at it from an independence issue, this is a major issue because the Constitutional Court said whomever um, allows for this surveillance to take place, the, the designated judge. There should be an element of independence and who actually looks at it and who considers the award and, and the transparency around this process so that there's due process that, that plays out. Um, a big issue for, for me personally from a data privacy perspective is the Constitutional Court um, clearly spoke to the issue of the management of the information that is um, 
obtained and how that is kept and deleted and processed throughout um, the the whole um, surveillance exercise. And then a very, very, the most important issue for us as lawyers and journalists, speaking to the issue of practicing lawyers and journalists, you know, journalists protecting their resources, lawyers protecting privileged information, and how that should be addressed. So these are the five crux issues that the court spoke about in terms of unconstitutionality. And what we see now is a very crisp eight-page amendment bill. Um, and then, yeah, you said, you know, you'll speak further on as to some of the concerns, but in itself, there are glaring issues from a South African perspective that is not addressed in, in the amendment bill. And I think furthermore, it would seem like we tend to adopt legislation and then consider regulations post the adoption of the legislation to deal with practical issues. But if we have to advise international clients as to the impact of the surveillance legislation, this amendment bill is fairly thin in terms of assisting clarity and providing clarity as to the way forward. Okay. Um, So... Are you suggesting then that the draft doesn't solve the problems that it was meant to solve, or does it solve those problems? It's a yes and a no answer from my perspective. Technically, it almost ticks every every one of the five aspects that the Constitutional Court highlighted or uh, um, put forward to say this is un- unconstitutional. Technically, this amendment bill ticks those little boxes. You know, in one instance, it literally almost uses the exact wording um, that, the, that the Constitutional put forward. But there is a level of depth and further analysis that seem to be lacking in terms of the legislation. And not only that, Stephen, there are a host of other issues that we've been discussing as practitioners having an impact on RICA or that we would expect RICA to address. And if we talk about surveillance, and we, you can never look at one piece of legislation in isolation. The RICA legislation, you need to consider Criminal Procedure Act. And if you look at the Criminal Procedure Act, there's a section 205 that, uh, that provides that one can approach or the police services can approach a magistrate um, to, in terms of section 205 of the Criminal Procedure Act for surveillance to, to, to take place. And this is a problem in itself. There ought to be a provision that says, but RICO will, is the highest level of legislation when it comes to surveillance. We miss that gap. And that means that, you know, whether it's um, surveillance or records or, you know, even if we look at the credit bureau information, they are subjected to Section 205 applications all the time. And this was an exact opportunity, or in my view, is a very good opportunity to address this. And where we discussed two weeks back the conundrum of mobile network operators when it comes to RICA, the RICA process around um, individuals and subscribers. Indeed, since we are amending the legislation, we ought to have addressed this as well. And it would seem that a very narrow, scalped approach has been adopted to tick the boxes and to just get it over and done with. And more so, does that mean then, with Section 205, you're talking about a different law that actually makes it relatively easy for the police to tap my phone or your phone. You're saying that's not dealt with in this bill at all? 
it's not dealt with in this legislation or this amendment bill as all, at all. And I think that is a very, very important gap. It's a loophole that mm. can be abused. And if we want um, robust surveillance legislation, that we are that we ought to have, especially if we think about the GDPR processes from a European perspective um, and the impact that has got on us as conducting business in South Africa, we need to look at the legal landscape holistically and not take a singular view on the interpretation of the of one piece of legislation. Amor, thank you. Amor Berger-Smith is Director at Werksman's Advisory Services, Head of the Data Protection and Privacy Practice Group there, USFM. 18 minutes to 9, your mediated conversation continues about the new RECA bill. Murray Hunter is the Acting Head of Intel Watch and a consultant with the ALT Advisory. Murray, good morning. Morning, Stephen. Thanks for having this conversation. From what I've seen about what you've written, you're quite critical of this bill. What's wrong with it in your view? Look, I think start with what we agree on is that RECA does need to be reformed, not just because, obviously, I think most importantly, the Constitutional Court handed down an order to that effect that said that there's a deadline by essentially February of next year where these specific, but it happens to be a body of evidence of how surveillance powers have been abused, um, the extent to which the ability to, to spy on people's phones has been enabled state capture, it's enabled um, sort of crooked individuals within the state to spy on investigative journalists, to root out uh, corruption investigators within the police. So these problems need to be addressed. Um, I think our real concern, you know, to, to, to echo what we've already heard, is the extent to which it's not so much what's in the bill. You know, there's obviously there's things to fix there, but what's missing from the bill is 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 of huge concern. And I think the biggest one is this this loophole that we've referred to, which is that as much as there are some problems with RICA that need to be addressed, probably the biggest problem is that there's this kind of parallel law, Section 205 of, of, of uh, the Criminal Procedure Act, which essentially provides this other avenue for um, police officials to access people's phone records and other sensitive information without any of the safeguards that we would see in RICA. And, you know, that kind of loophole is used, you know, potentially tens of thousands of times a year. Um, and most of that is normal investigations. You know, it's nothing necessarily suspicious, but it creates this kind of loophole for abuse where there's none of the safeguards and oversight measures that we want to see. And the fact that this bill doesn't try to close that loophole is hugely problematic simply because if you try to build up new safeguards, better transparency, better protections in RICA-style surveillance, where there are abuses of power, it will it just channels kind of more abuses of power into the loophole where none of those safeguards exist and so but by not closing that loophole it unfortunately sort of undermines the the kind of whole purpose of the exercise do and, you okay yeah. I, I just just let's go back a little bit here yeah. you do accept that in certain situations in a democracy a free and open democracy as ours is defined sometimes officials can listen to the phone calls of conversa- of citizens yeah i think everyone sort of you know, most people agree that there are circumstances where that happens. And I think, we'll, and, and in fact, most people agree that kind of the, the, the kind of point of the exercise is making sure that that uh, very invasive power is only exercised when it truly matters and only exercised under kind of strict controls. Um, and in fact, that it makes us safer when there are more safeguards on those kinds of powers. It, it leads to a more secure and stable society when those tools only get taken out the box when it's absolutely necessary 
and where there are very clear guidelines and rules and, and, and sort of uh, safeguards in place. Amor made the point that this bill appears to literally tick the boxes of the constitutional court, so it would probably be constitutional in her view. Do you believe it would be constitutional? I'm not actually 100% sure that that's what she said about whether it was constitutional. It, 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 what I would say is it tries to tick the boxes. And I think that by failing to address these loopholes, I mean, it, it essentially leaves the right to privacy inadequately protected. It leaves the, um, uh, the right to freedom of expression inadequately protected. And so it's not clear, I mean, essentially using the logic of the, of the constitutional court why it ordered for RICA to be amended, by failing to close these loopholes, it essentially doesn't kind of address the spirit of of the of the of the court's judgment. But more importantly, you know, where it has tried to tick those boxes, it falls short in certain ways as well. Um, we can go into that, but I think taking a step back about whether or not we've adequately ticked these specific boxes, the the point of concern here is that what was in the RICA judgment, what, what was in the court case relating to RICA was only a part of the problem. It was essentially specific to one case, one instance of abuse affecting one journalist. And I think everyone in the court case acknowledged that this is just a slice of the problem. The Department of Justice has been sort of pledging to fix the broader set of issues for the better part of a decade. And the fact that sort of right at the end of the, um, the deadline set by the Constitutional Court we've had this kind of eight-page bill mm. quite rashly put together without addressing those issues is a real concern because the question is, if it doesn't get fixed now, when is it going to get fixed? You know, this kind of, mm. we, we, this is really our one shot to do the job right, I think. Murray Hunter, thank you. Acting head of Intelwatch, a consultant with ALT Advisory. Do appreciate the time. In a moment, to respond to all of this, the Deputy Minister of Justice, John Jeffries. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning. You've heard, of course, the critiques of the new RICA Amendment Bill that's supposed to change the way uh, government actually listens to phone calls, how it makes that decision. Let's hear now from government itself. The Deputy Minister of Justice is John Jeffrey. Deputy Minister, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Good morning to the listeners and the other uh, panellists. You've heard some of the criticism. How do you respond to it? Look, this is, is basically a short-term measure to address the issues that the Constitutional Court raised uh, with a deadline coming up of, of February next year, um, and they didn't do a reading in afterwards. So I would agree fully that RETA needs to be revised. It's, it's been around for some time, uh, and um, a lot of the issues that are raised uh, need to be considered and addressed. Um, but what we're doing in this bill, and that was the original intention, by the way, uh, to, to have um, RICA entirely revised, but it ran into problems with the official dealing with it, who's very knowledgeable on the issues uh, becoming unwell, COVID, uh, issues of other legislation. Um, justice has, I think, about the most legislation in Parliament. So all those factors. So basically, we got to a point where it was uh, that that um, we need to just address the constitutional court's order, and then we'll look later at at um, a broader revision. Um, one other point, just to say, with 205, which wasn't in the that's section 205 in the Criminal Procedure Act, which wasn't in the part of the court judgment, uh, that doesn't allow you to intercept your calls. Um, if you can't get an order to tap somebody's phone from 205. What you can get is the records 
uh, relating to those calls, who you called, when you called them, where you were when you called them, but not the content of the call. But I would agree that does need to be subjected to, uh, to safeguards as well. And we looked at whether in the short space of time we could do anything, discussed it with the NPA, but felt it was better to leave that for now. So basically, this is, is a, a short-term measure to address the constitutional court order, and more work needs to go in into a total revision of, of RICA. Are you prepared to say when there will be a total revision? And I mean, there are all sorts of problems. We discussed that in detail last uh, two weeks ago. Are you prepared to commit yourself to any kind of timetable? And the reason I say that is otherwise this H-page document will be the reality for a long time. Well, I would think that um, uh, a, a making an application to court that uh, there aren't enough safeguards under 205 is, is something that is likely to happen. So it does need to be a, a priority. Uh, whether we refer it to the Law Reform Commission or whether we get the, um, which is sort of there to develop laws and can do it more comprehensively, but it takes longer, or whether we can try and do it from the department side is something we need to look at. There are other issues, um, and the 205 argument, I mean, the discussion around who can know what about my communication with whoever, or your communication with whoever for that matter, um, is very difficult to get absolutely right. And you'll know what a, I think, a wonderfully argumentative society we are, Deputy Minister, let me call it that. Um, To try and reach some sort of consensus on when people can get that information is going to be very, very difficult, I would think. Obviously, we're balancing two kinds of rights. We're balancing the right to privacy, but we're also then, and and the whole purpose of this legislation is to be able to intercept uh, conversations. Uh, That's what RICA is providing for, the interception. 205 is about getting records, but intercept the conversations of criminal syndicates, of terrorist groups, of foreign intelligence operatives, those kinds of, of things. And obviously, once you, uh, with a post-subject notification, which is provided for, but we've taken the reading in of two years, the court didn't actually say uh, two years specifically, uh, but there's concern from law enforcement as to, is that enough time for them? Uh, NPA tells me that it can take them at least five years to complete an investigation into organized crime. And obviously, once somebody knows they're being intercepted, uh, then they're going to perform differently. Um, there's another issue, and it's a sort of technical issue, but I think it really matters, which is that millions of people, perhaps the majority of SIM cards, actually are used in phones controlled by people to whom they are not reeked. In other words, people are buying pre-reeked SIM cards. I know that that's technically illegal, but it has happened, and it's happened on a massive basis. It seems to me no law can actually deal with that. To, to sort of put that, uh, to, to sort of deal with that, you're going to actually have to basically make something that is currently illegal, legal. Otherwise, you're just really in a situation where the law and reality are completely different. Yeah, look, the, the problem with the Act is that although it's a Justice Act and justice is responsible uh, for the Act and has to amend it, um, a lot of most of the implementation is is done by other government agencies. So I think it is the police that have to uh, check on the, um, the the registration of SIM cards. And um, when when that was put into the bill, that was something new. Uh, but the bill is about I think 20 years old. 
And so obviously things are not working out as, as they should, but that would require engagement with the police, similarly with um, interceptions. It could be state security. It could be uh, the police. It could be the uh, prosecutors now under the investigating directorate if that bill is passed. So, um, yeah, the, 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 there needs to be engagement with all the people implementing the bill as to what's the best method to, or the best way of, of redesigning the act to, to ensure that it functions better. Uh, sorry, let me just also make one point. Um, the orders for interception or the directives for interception are given by a judge. Uh, one of the issues was that previously the minister could just appoint a judge. Now it has to be in consultation with the chief justice. So it's not the minister's decision on their own, the minister of justice. Um, and in the current judge is a, is a retired constitutional judge. The previous one was as well. Uh, so you do have a quite high level of, um, in terms of the person who is granting the interception directives. Um, one other point just to make is that state security has a, um, their own bill, General Intelligence Laws Amendment Bill. And that is quite separate from this bill. It's done by different departments, so we can't really speak to that. And in the public submissions, because the bill, this bill, RICO Amendment Bill, was asked for public comment, some of the people have confused the two bills um, together, not, not, the, uh, not the people you're interviewing or you've interviewed, but, but some of the members of the public have sort of written in on this bill and then raised issues in the other bill. There, all of this is, is, as you say, actually really requires quite a wholesale change. I realize you won't put yourself uh, to a deadline, but it would seem to me that the world is just going to move further and further past the law. In other words, the law and reality are just going to get further and further apart. So this is actually relatively urgent. And I know you have issues with drafting and all the rest, but this has got to be done in the next couple of years. Otherwise, the law is just going to get further and further apart from reality. Yes, very definitely. Um, it obviously is difficult drafting a law that has, is entirely new, which was the case in, in the original uh, Interception of Communications Act. And yes, technology um, does move. I think the key issue is to try and draft laws that can take into account changes in technology. In other words, be broader principles, for example, like the Protection of Personal Information Act. Thank you very much indeed, Deputy Minister John Jeffries, the Deputy Minister of Justice. Really appreciate the time. My thanks also to Murray Hunter, the acting head of Intelwatch, and starting us off today, Amor Berger-Smith, a director at Verksman's Advisory Services and head of the Data Protection and Privacy Practice Group.